I'm the only pastor here today. <laughs> the other two are with the team down in Haiti. We'll continue praying for them. We do welcome you and uh, thank you for being a part of our service today. Uh, I think on behalf of the other two pastors, we could say a very special thank you to all of your gifts, your cards, your thoughts, your prayers for pastor appreciation last Sunday. Uh, we, we thank you so much. You were so kind to us, and we appreciate that. It's good to have my wife in the service back with us for a while. And, um, doing doing so much better, even walking better. Some of you want to know why she's walking a lot better. She has new braces, and uh, the Lord's really helped her with that. And uh, We're just glad you're here. This is a good day. This is the day the Lord has made, and we want to rejoice and be glad in it. This morning I have chosen, and our text is from Acts chapter 19, continuing our study and series in the book of Acts chapter 19. Uh, I'll get there in just a little while, as Pastor Bradley says, uh, picked up his habits. I don't have to remind you this morning, I don't believe that we're living in a very darkened, cultured world. Uh, the violence, the hatred, the resentment, the bitterness, just so much going on in our world today that uh, the culture is so very dark. I guess the question that comes to mind is, in this dark world, is there any hope? I guess that would be the question that might be on all of our minds. Is there any hope? Can we at Resurrection Church make an impact on this culture in which we live and find ourselves in today. I hear it quite often. People say, well, because the world is in the shape it is in, why don't we just gather together and sing and hold on, Jesus is coming soon. I trust that is not your mentality. That is not what God wants of his church today. We're not here just to gather together and sing and praise and bless one another. We're more than a bless me club at Resurrection Church. We are here to impact the dark culture of the world in which we live. We have a light and this light can penetrate the darkness of this day. That's my message this morning penetrating the dark. When I look at this, I want you to join me this morning as we travel through our text that I'll give you in just a few minutes and walk with me through this account of this church at Ephesus 
that made such a great impact upon the culture that it found itself in. Before we read this text, I'd like for you just remind you a little bit about the city of Ephesus where this takes place. It's a large city, commercial city. It's a major commercial route from the east and the west and a lot of commercial trading going on there. A lot of things taking place. But the center of all of Ephesus was the temple of Artemis, as you'll see in chapter 19, or the Temple of Diana. Now, the Temple of Diana was a massive building. In fact, it was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. This temple was built out on the hillside. It had 127 columns that reached up 60 feet, marble columns. In the center of this temple was a carved statue of the goddess Diana. She was known as the sex goddess of that day. In this temple, there were over 150 prostitutes that facilitated the worship of Diana. Very wicked, cruel, corrupt area in which this existed. Because of the trade route that uh, the ships came in and the commercial part of it, it was a center of greed, corruption, and violence. Very difficult place to live in. We wouldn't be, it would be known really as a place of organized crime and corruption. It was the center of immoral living, commercial greed, hatred, and even violence. It became a city of sexual pleasure, commercial greed, and even became the center of the dark arts and the occultism. It was a booming business, the occult, in the city of Ephesus. In fact, Paul reminds us in Ephesians and the sixth chapter, he reminded the people in the letter of Ephesians when he said, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. And then he lists four categories, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil, in the heavenly places. It was in this place, this place of such corruption, such darkness, that God led Paul to establish the Ephesian church. What a place. You know, you know how you get beautiful tulips in the spring? You plant them in dirt. Right? 
And God says, if you want to get something beautiful, plant it in the dirt, the dark culture. Let the light shine in the darkness. It penetrates. The gospel penetrates. The light and the power of God penetrates the darkness and makes something beautiful and wonderful out of it. It was in this place God penetrated the darkness. I believe that if God could plant a church in a place like that with that kind of culture, I believe God can still work today in our world. Don't write God off because things look so bad today. I realize I'm not going to stick my head in the sand and there's not a real world of darkness out there. But I know there is a light that we can lift up. Jesus said, and if I be lifted up, I, Jesus Christ, will draw all men unto him. There is a light that penetrates the darkness of this world. Now this morning I want to give you five simple little points. I mentioned that to the praise team this morning. They almost wanted to go home then. I'd like to give you five simple points though. I really believe if we can see how God used this church at Ephesus, I think it will reveal to us here at Resurrection Church, God can work through this church powerfully in our world today. Okay, number one. In verses 8 through 10, we have here the proclamation or declaration of the Word of God. Look at verse 8. We have that. And he entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn, you know, you have these thoughts when you're up here, probably more perspiration than inspiration. But, you know, that happens when the church is going forward. You, you do have some stubborn people that come on. Well, that's not a point in my sermon. That's just one of those perspiration thoughts there. Right? They were stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way, which were the Christians. Before the congregation, he, he withdrew from them and took his disciples with him, and he moved to the hall of Tyrannius. This continued for two years, so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. For three months, Paul invested himself in people here in the synagogue. After so long, there were those who were resentful, stubborn, still in their unbelief, would not accept what Paul was teaching. So what Paul did, he rented the hall of Tyrannius, which was really like an amphitheater. They tell us it would seat probably 24,000 people. 
And when Paul moved out, he brought that nucleus of disciples that believed with him, and he came in into Terenius' hall and began to teach there. And he did this for two years. Now, I'm not going to calculate how many hours and all he was involved. You do understand that in Bible time, customary time, what they would do, they'd get up early of the morning about 6. They'd go to work between 6 and 7. They'd work until 11. And I love this part. They had a siesta from 11 till about 4. <laughs> really? About, about 4 or 5 o'clock, they would go back to work, and they would work then until about 9 o'clock in the evening. That wouldn't go over real well with a lot, but I, I personally, I would enjoy that. But indeed, Paul was a, was a tent maker. And in the 20th chapter, he refers to how he worked and did not take any offerings from them so he could preach the gospel and teach them by working. So what he would do would be get up early in the morning, work till 11, go to the hall of Tyrannius, and there he would preach and teach the people and help them walk out the faith that they had believed in. And he did this for two years. Can you imagine this? Paul worked hard. Church, can I say to you today that if we are going to penetrate the darkness of this world and touch people's lives that need the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's going to take work. It's not an easy thing. I don't know who told you that it was easy being a Christian and serving the Lord, but you need to find them and slap them. <laughs> There's work involved. There's service, there's commitment, there's dedication. And Paul was dedicated. Listen, can you imagine doing this every day? Five hours every day teaching and preaching and proclaiming the word. He walked with them in this time. They, they're telling us through, through many of the researchers that I read that in this church, eventually it grew to probably between 50 and 60,000 people. If you go to Revelation and read chapter 2 and 3 along there, you read about the seven churches of Revelation. Most of those churches were established in this period of time. They would hear the word and many of the people would go out and establish churches out there. There was a continuous stirring of the people's heart. Talking about penetrating darkness, this was what it took. It, it Listen. I know there are not a, a lot of new ideas, a lot of new methods. I like a lot of the technology. I like a lot of the media, all of this. But Resurrection Church, we should never be willing to give up the teaching and the preaching of the Word of God. It is the only thing that changes people's lives. We must teach the Word of God. Proclaiming the Word of God. Second thing. Look at verse 11 and 12. We see the power of the witness here. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin 
were carried away to the sick and their diseases left them and evil spirits came out of them. God used these unusual, extraordinary miracles of acts of the power of God to reveal and show to the dark forces of hell that God was supreme. Now, the word handkerchief here is not the little dainty white cloths that women carry. Okay? Really, the Greek word there really means sweatband or sweat cloth. When Paul worked making tents and he perspired, better word, he sweated, he had a cloth and he would wipe the sweat off of him. The aprons that he wore would find perspiration on them. And the people were taking these sweat cloths and the aprons and touching people that were sick and demon-possessed, and God was delivering them. What an awesome thing. What a marvelous thing. I, 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 I read this, and I, I looked, I, I, a good, a good writer I read after quite a bit, uh, R. Kent Hughes, said this about these miracles. He said they were symbols of which God chose to employ in order to underscore the characteristic of the apostle which made him a channel of the power of God. In the same way, remember when Moses' rod was a symbol. He would cast that rod on the ground and the rod became a serpent lifted up over the waters and the waters would roll back. There was nothing magical about the rod itself. It was only a symbol that God was saying something and honoring his servant by using him to allow the miracles to flow through him. It wasn't Paul. It wasn't the handkerchiefs. It wasn't the aprons. It was God's power that was moving through these symbols and instruments. Now Paul was not selling these handkerchiefs. You've seen some of those programs too, haven't you? Send $15 and they'll send you a handkerchief that they've done something to. That was not what Paul was doing. Where the word, listen, where the word of God is faithfully declared and truthfully presented, it will honor God by allowing miracles to take place where lives are changed, where healings take place, where deliverance comes, addicts are set free, marriages are remade in the power of God. Where the Word of God is declared, there is a power of the witness of the work of God. Thank God for that. The culture around us may be dark, they are lost, and the souls need a Savior and they need to see the demonstration of the power of the Spirit of God. Paul said, I did not come to you with words of wisdom. I did not come to you with just intellect, but I came in the demonstration of the Spirit of God. Thank God for the Word, but the Word and the Spirit must work together. 
where the Word of God is proclaimed, the Spirit of God will honor that place with the power of miracles. Number three, look what happens next. The distortion of the wicked, the perversion of the wicked. Look at verse 13 and following. Now this is a hilarious few verses. Then some of these itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you. Or they were saying, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Shiva were doing this. But the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know. And, I, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? And then the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them. And one text says, beat the stew out of Well, <laughs> mastered all of them, overpowered them, so that they fled out of the house naked and bleeding, wounded. Anytime there is the presentation of truth, faults will show up. The devil will bring the counterfeit. Where there is the genuine and the real, the devil will show up with the faults and the counterfeit. Where there is light, darkness has to flee. Upsets it. Have you ever stepped out on a summer evening on your back porch and turned on the light? What happened? Bugs. All kind of bugs show up. That's what happens when the light of the gospel begins to shine in the darkness. The faults, the perversion, that which is contrary to Scripture. We see it in the world today flowing through media, periodicals, the faults that is being presented, can I tell you today, it's not because we're so perfect here at Res. It's not because of these preachers that can preach. It's because of the Word of God. And it's not something that is perverted. We try to stay strictly with the Scripture. I don't believe there's anything that compares to the written, eternal, inerrant, Word of God, it never changes. It is forever the same. That's what Rez presents, and we believe it to be true. We're not going to change that. I remember when I turned the church over to Pastor Bradley 10, 11 years ago now. One thing I said, listen, you can paint the walls purple polka dot. You can do whatever you want to, but don't ever ever change preaching and teaching the Word of God. There's enough faults out there and the light needs to penetrate that which is wrong. We need the Word of God. Wherever the gospel is preached, there will be the faults. There are those today who will pervert the truth. When this happens, God's Word being declared and God's mighty miracles are flowing, there will be those who will try to divert the Word of God away from reality.
how God showed up powerfully. Number four, I want you to notice the purifying of the work that was going on here. Verse 17, and this became known. What became known? The preaching of the word, the power of the spirit. When this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled or magnified. Also many of those who were now believers came, confessing, revealing, divulging their practices. And a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together, burned them in the sight of all, and they counted the value of them and found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. What an amazing event. That's what the power of the Word of God can do. It'll convict hearts. It'll turn the light on in people's lives. These people that had been attending Paul's preaching and teaching, and many of them were believing, all of a sudden they began to realize there were things in their life that was an offense to God. They went home and got their books of witchcraft and darkness and their trinkets and they came and built a bonfire and burnt them in the sight of all. That's what the Word of God will do. You see, the power of the Spirit will convict and show to you where you are wrong. We don't want that, do we? We rebel against that. <clears throat> Listen, when we get comfortable, it's like an old shirt. My wife asked me, well, why do you wear that shirt all the time? Because it's comfortable. Those trousers, I like them, but those old shoes, they got a hole in them. Don't wear them out in public. Sometime we get comfortable with our way of living. But if we allow the Word of God to do the work that it's intended to do, it'll pinpoint where you are wrong and you need to correct some things. God's Word that is proclaimed <clears throat> will cause people to repent and it'll show them where there are things in their life that is an offense or displeases God. I want to be honest with you this morning. I know when you're young, you don't think about this a whole lot. But the older you get, you really spend some time thinking. I don't want to do anything that displeases God, do you? Young or old. I don't want to do anything that will offend Him. He's done so much for me, changing my life giving to me and blessing me. I want everything in my life to be open and above board. God, clean me up through and through everything that is there. If there is anything hidden in my life that is an offense to you, God, point it to me so I can remove it from my life. God's Word will do this. Sad to say that there are many today who come to Christ and they get stuck. They come to church, they feel good, they hear the music, 
but they don't allow the Spirit of God to point to that very thing that is offending and displeasing to God. God help us to be open to Him. We must rid our life of anything that is not like Christ. <clears throat> what caused these people to do this? What, what sent them home to find those books to bring and burn? I, I think if you turn over to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 22, he tells us what happened. Paul said concerning these people to put off the old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and be re to be renewed in the spirit in your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Paul said, put off the old man. Put off the old way of life. The old habits. It does not please God. I know today we, we try to stay as close to the world and sin as we can. We don't want to get too far away from it. But I'm here to tell you the more I see the dark world in which we live and understand God's word, I want to get as far away from the edge as I can. I want to be as close to God as I possibly can in these hours in which we live. Put off. Verse 23 said, Be renewed in your mind. That's what Paul said in Romans 12. He said, Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, we need to begin to think things of God and holy things and righteous things. That's why you can't keep these hidden CDs and these hidden periodicals and these hidden things and go to them once in a while. You need to rid yourself of everything that is an offense to God. There are things that you have in your home that may need to be removed. I know that's old-fashioned. I understand that. But honey, I want to tell you, the moon's old, but I like it. And the sun is old, and I still like it. There are some things old that's good. Okay. <clears throat> Just wanted you to know where I was at. I tell you that, but I'm very serious. The reason you can't get ahead, the reason you can't walk with God like you want, the reason things are not going well, it may be you have some hidden habits, some hidden things that God wants to re renew your mind. Start thinking about holy things, good things. If you dwell on the negative, you know what? You're going to be a negative person. Don't hang around negative people. That's why you have caller ID. When you see it's negative, don't answer it. There's some things you just need to start thinking about good things, wholesome things. 
some righteous things. And when you start thinking right, you'll start behaving right. And when you start thinking right, you'll start believing right. So I would encourage you to renew your mind. That's what God wants to do is renew your thinking. Some of you have had some pretty bad thinking. Don't you know the devil likes to put your mind full of everything evil and bad, but God's Word will penetrate your mind and give you some thoughts, some good things. Your life will be so enriched by the way you think. Try it. It'll work. Let God's Word penetrate your heart, your life. Then in verse 24, he says, put on the new. The new. God's not just always saying take away, put off, but he's given us something in the place of it. Listen, I see these young people here. I've been, I've been a Christian since I was 11 years of age. That's about 60, almost 62 years. And, and, and I want to tell you, they, they talk about what did you have to give up to become a Christian? Nothing that was worth having. Everything I gained so much that everything I had was so worthless. But what he gave me was so rewarding and so wonderful. And I have walked these years and I have never, I have never one day regretted a day of giving up what the world said was good and getting what God said was wonderful and excellent and beautiful and great in life. Don't expect the world to offer you good things. They never show you the other side of the price tag. They just show you the glow. You, you can get this and go. No. There's a price to pay for it. Let God renew you and change you. Number five. I want you to notice verse 20. I want you to look at the prevailing Word of God. I know this is a book. I know it has paper. And I know it has ink. And it has words, but there is power. It prevails the darkest of the dark. What man cannot do, what physicians cannot do, what counselors cannot do, can I tell you this book, with the power of the authority of the author of this book, God himself breathing upon the lives of some 40 authors over 1,500 years, and it is a powerful book in this year of 2017. It is the same yesterday, today, and it'll be forever. The effect of the Word of God. Look at verse 20. So the Word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. Don't get discouraged today. Don't throw up your hands and quit because of a dark world. Understand that the Word of God will prevail against this world and it will conquer. It will lead those who will lean upon it 
and trust in it, it will get them through this darkness into the glorious light of the gospel of Jesus Christ and change their heart and life. Listen, there are many casualties of our culture that we need to reach out to. And only the grace of God can do that. Church, we need to present there is a grace in our God. There is mercy in our God. No matter what you have dealt with, how low you have gone, to what extent you have sinned, but what God's power can give you victory today. And I tell you this morning, there's power in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul taught and preached and proclaimed there is power in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's something about that name that's wonderful, isn't it? Would you join with me? I want you to just say that name with me, Jesus. Would you? Jesus. Isn't it? There's something, there's power in that. Let's say it again. Jesus.